Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Man, this summer, is it going to be over? We need some some new video games. We need some fall video games is what I'm thinking. Oh, man, I love fall. From, like, kind of mid-September until, like, the end of November, it's so good. Yeah, it's like it's amazing video games. The mm. weather's perfect. I'm not all sweaty all the time. <laughs> <laughs> There's pumpkins in literally everything. I, and I I like pumpkins. I know. I mean, pumpkins I, and cinnamon. It's another positive and, thing. Yeah. <laughs> on top of all the other things you listed. No, I I have often I was thinking about it. I mean, not that I I don't have nothing to play right now. It's it's there's still stuff to play, but there's something about games that come out in the fall and I guess you know, occasionally in the spring that feels different from the games that are sort of sprinkled throughout the summer uh, in the winter, right? So I'm looking forward to September. And I remember if you'd asked Ryan like 15 years ago, if he'd ever say that, it'd be like, no, because <laughs> I always dreaded is September. Anything, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to in the next month or so in terms of gaming that's coming I, out in September? I think like, I think for September, I'm definitely looking forward to the new Zelda game, Link's Awakening, which is out, I think, late September, I think the 20th. That okay. One, yeah, that one looks really good. And honestly, it just looks like one of those easy digestible games that you know is just going to, you know, feel good to play as a, as a remake of a beloved sort of Game Boy Zelda game. But mm-hmm. outside of that, um, I'm really looking forward to Control, which I know isn't a September game, but it's so close it might as well be. Uh, I think Control is the, the Remedy game, the guys who made uh, Quantum Break uh on the uh, right yeah that game that we we kind of latched on to it was it was a unique little thing man i yeah i loved quantum break mm-hmm. so anything more from them i am on board with for sure yeah control looks really good and it's out august 27th so just in a couple of weeks and i think it'd be right up your alley like it's a sci-fi sort of shooter you're like in the fbi but you could you like investigate crazy shit so like i don't know it's like so kind of x filesy a little bit it seems more like less paranormal and more Mm. like psychic-y i don't know i i didn't get i haven't seen a lot of it do you think that psychic phenomenon is not paranormal Okay, wait, no, let me <laughs> let me rephrase that in the sense that it is paranormal, but it's not like aliens. I always think of the X-Files as aliens. You're uh, right. Okay. Pa- paranormal is the umbrella term, correct? Yes, and for then, anything that's not normal. Okay, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's why I was like, Ryan. No, good call. You- <laughs> aliens, definitely under the umbrella, but less, I can't even say science, just less aliens and looks to yeah. be more like, uh, like, I don't More know, like, like spooky stuff, sp- spooky thriller. I don't know. I, I honestly haven't seen a lot of it. I just know the the team that made it, and uh, I've seen bits and pieces. Like with control, I think what you get is you get a modular gun, and it kind of changes based on how you want to use it, and it'll like shift in your hands. And there's like some floaty stuff and some shooty throwy stuff, and I don't know. You should just look at a trailer. I'm probably not doing it justice, but yes, <laughs> paranormal definitely. I don't think there's aliens though. So okay. fair enough um i'm actually i mean obviously there's a world of warcraft classic that's coming Mm. out on august 27th as well that i'm excited about but other than that blair Mm. witch is actually coming out this year which i thought it was coming next year because i mean it was the first i heard of it was at e3 this year Mm -hmm. so that seems like super fast but it looks 
so creepy I might not get through it, but I'm hoping I've been slightly desensitized <laughs> because of all the Dead by Daylight I've been playing. So, because Blair Witch looks so cool. I was going to so say, cool. like, that doesn't really see. I know Dead by Daylight is your scene, but uh, Blair Witch just seems to be more Slender Man type stuff than, than you're in for. Well, yeah, it seems like, and and maybe I just need to to look into it a little bit more before diving head in, head mm-hmm. first into it. But uh, it looked a little bit more um, like rogue like adventure puzzly, which actually is becoming more and more my one of my preferred game types. Like we'll oh. talk about one that I'm playing today, and I'm actually really enjoying the um like going through the same content like on repeat but your knowledge opens up different paths every Uh. time you do it and that's kind of what Blair Witch looked like to me from the trailer and I mean maybe I'm totally off but it it kind of looks like a, a survival horror game and they showed it ending a few different times in the same way with the camera in the cabin so I'm wondering if that's like the reset point and then it sets you back to the beginning of the of the um, investigation again. Oh, yeah, but, I did uh, remember that in the trailer. For yeah. Sure. So like if that's kind of what it is, then I'm then totally down for that. And apparently it's available on the Xbox Game Pass at launch. So that's probably how I'll play it. Right. Because then <laughs> I like I have access to the Game Pass. So it won't cost me any money. So. <laughs> Blair Witch is definitely on my docket for end of August. Yeah, I'll, if it's Game Pass, I'll definitely like download it and boot it up. That sounds. That sounds like I love the Game Pass, the ability to just try all these games sight unseen, and then and then mm-hmm. if you do want to own it, you can actually purchase it at a discount. I think the Game Pass gives you like ten percent uh, mm-hmm. off the purchase. But now that we're talking about like late August, I'm reminded that it's pretty stacked. And I know in the Discord, I think Babylon Redeemer was listing some of his games. And there's obviously, you know, Astral Chain is coming out, which is a Switch uh, exclusive from Platinum Games. But there's another one that I mentioned called uh, Man of Medin or something. And mm-hmm. it's by the developers of uh, Until Dawn. And they're back oh, with a multi-platinum right, right, right. game. Yeah. And when does that one? When does that one come out? Is that end of August too? That's August thirtieth. Oh man. Yeah, it's going to be stacked, and I feel like that one. I don't know anything about it. I just know the pedigree, similar to Remedy. It's it's from the Intel Dawn guys. I think it's super. Is it Super Giant? I I can't remember, but that game until dawn latched its claws into this show for about a month, and I think mm-hmm. you streamed the whole thing. I did stream the whole thing. Yeah. I streamed for my PlayStation, so I didn't actually have like a, a cam on, mm-hmm. which is really too bad because I feel like um, there were definitely some points in that game where I like jumped and like dropped my controller and had to walk away because <laughs> there were yeah there were some really scary moments like jump scary moments in that game. Yeah. But and I quote, "There's no jump scares. Story. There's no jump yeah, scares." Yeah, Ryan telling me there's no jump scares, <laughs> and then there's a jump scare like literally two seconds into the game. I'm just like, "Damn it, Ryan!" Yeah. And, well, there's there's the fake jumps, and I was like, "Oh no, no, no!" I remember this very vividly because again, Jocelyn was not happy. Uh, I remember saying, "Oh well, yes, there's the one fake jump scare because it's like basically breaking down the walls of the horror genre." Don't worry, that's mm-hmm. the fake jump scare. But I guess there were a bunch of other 
other jump scares. Then there was like a billion. Okay. And I'm like, okay, either Ryan has nerves of steel or he's just totally forgotten or he's actually trying to get me. It could be a like, little oh, bit yeah, of all of it. I, yeah. Honestly. <laughs> play until dawn, Jocelyn. You won't get scared. You could totally even stream it. <laughs> yeah, and then I know you. Like You're like me with video games and if you're streaming them. like If you're trying to play through a game, it's like, well, I have to finish it because I'm streaming it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that was the last time you streamed an entire game. So you're I, welcome, It might I actually be, but I mean, Until Dawn was a really, really good, interesting story, and I did mm. really enjoy it, and it had a lot of twists and turns and went places that you didn't think it was going to go. And the fact that you could potentially kill every single one of your characters mm-hmm. was a really intriguing concept to me. So like you could play through and everyone's playthrough is going to be different because sometimes people die. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Oh man. That, that I made it through was... with everyone except for one. Yeah. And the one that died was the really annoying chick that I didn't like. So I was kind of like, eh, it's fine. I don't need that achievement. <laughs> no, nobody needs that one. If it's that specific character. Uh, yeah. it, it's interesting because I think man of, it's man i think it's man and Medin. anyways it's it's like it's got uh some multiplayer aspects to it as well and i don't know if it's got like streaming integration but it definitely looks like a follow-up to until dawn uh but kind of ratcheted up and they've really they've really like leaned into the idea of they've gone with the the mocap and the the very you know realistic looking facial mm-hmm. animations that really sell sort of that horror genre but i think they're 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 it's less looking at sort of the the horror thriller slasher from until dawn and more looking at these psychedelic sort of thrillers that were that are more popular that are more popular now i think like maybe I've never seen it, but I feel like it and like the remake of Pet Cemetery all have that vibe of like it's not slasher horror, but it's more like uh, psychological sl- horror. Exactly, yeah. definitely a genre. Yeah, yes. and it's usually uh, my preferred mm-hmm. type of horror too. Like I tend to like psychological horror, and I like ghostly haunting horror. I'm less about slasher and jump scares, which is funny considering that's yeah. what Dead by Daylight is. Well, Dead by Daylight has a lot of like psychological horror aspects i guess i guess like it's there's some slashers in there for sure but it feels like you know some of the like there's more ghouly and ghosty type monsters they're all yeah but uh the 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 game looks really cool i don't know a whole lot about it i just know like the pedigree and and it is is going to be out on pc uh playstation 4 and xbox one so it's not a an exclusive uh like until dawn was so anybody can check it out and i'm pretty sure it's a discounted title like it's a it's it's I think half price. Like it's okay. A, so it's a smaller game, which is nice because I think until dawn was also like a sort of a budget title, uh, in the sense that you could pick it up for like maybe 20 or 30 bucks off. And, and I think it, that was good for it because it wasn't, it wasn't the longest game, but it was just the right length. It was that, that game was near perfect. It was so Yeah. Good. I feel like it was like 15 or 20 hours ish. Yeah. Yeah. And by the time, like I got to the end of it, I was like, I was, um, ready for the end of it i guess Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like it it felt like it had really good pacing so so yeah i'm looking forward to that which like just looking at this calendar it's literally like august 27th august 30th like there's so many there's like four or five games we've already talked about that are coming just in that three day span so man it's gonna be a, a busy busy week that week and then yeah, there's also, um, I mean, stuff coming in September and, oh man, it's it's really starting to ramp up because, mm-hmm. uh, so are you interested in Baldur's Gate at all? Because it looks like there's like Baldur's Gate stuff that's coming out in uh, 
hmm. in September too. Um, I'm not really yeah. a big sort. So for me, I've always appreciated those games and and happy for the people that really want to play them. But there's just such huge time sinks. I think there's like that. There's the Baldur's Gate, which was sort of the originals that uh, that sort of. Yeah, this is all the like remastery stuff. Yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Like it's too it's too much. But like the recent sort of inspired by games uh, with Pillars of Eternity and uh, Divinity Original Sin one and two, like those ones looked like appealed to me they looked interesting but again it was that time sink like knowing that you're going to be clicking through a 200 hour rpg just i don't know like i i don't know how i, I couldn't do it but yeah baldur's gate i think they're yeah they're remaking the one and two and then i think three is out next year at some point i think so yeah they were talking a lot about it at e3 so mm-hmm. i think it's coming soon ish by soon ish i'm pretty sure in the next week or in the next week in the next year <laughs> oh sweet august is looking great <laughs> oh man but yeah so yeah august is pretty stacked we'll probably end up talking about a lot of a lot of the august titles through september probably. but um i know i i've been i've been playing something new this week and i know you've gone back into fire emblem a little bit so uh let's let's talk about fire emblem first so what does your what are your thoughts like on on fire emblem now that you're a little bit further in like is it still holding up as well as you originally thought it it definitely is still holding up that the game is probably i would say the perfect fire emblem game there's really nothing wrong with it from a fire emblem perspective like there's always something in these fire emblem games that you can kind of latch onto and be like yeah that's a little weird or that doesn't quite you know land but this one it just there's so much to it to fans and new new uh new folks to the franchise that you can kind of pick what you like and lean into it you know i think last week we were talking a lot about the, the school and the instructions and all that and really the options for what I kind of call the metagame, which is the stuff outside of the battle system, you you can kind of pick and choose. Like if you really like getting into the, the, the fine details and instructing individually your, your students, you can do that. But you can also instruct manually by setting up specific goals. So if you know you want Bernadetta to be an archer, you just say, okay, you're going to focus on your, your archer. <laughs> Go be stuff. an archer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you just hit the button to automatically do it. And then it just, it does plays a cinematic that you can skip. Like everything's skippable. Everything's fast forwardable. Like you do, you do not have to sit there and watch all the little animations play through. So if you just want to do the battle stuff, you can totally like wipe right through, uh, all that extra stuff. But if you're like me and you want to experience it all, like you can literally spend hours in between chapters. Whereas in previous games, you'd spend maybe five, ten minutes, and then you'd be mm. back off to the races. So it's it's nice in that aspect where it kind of gives me, as a fan of the characters and and, and the setup, to spend more time with those characters. Uh, but it's kind of like backfired a little bit, and I. <laughs> I would say this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler. The game's been out for probably two or so weeks. Also, I'm not going to spoil the details, but I will talk about uh, what the different, like the difference between part one and part two, is that there's a there's a time skip, and this was confirmed in a trailer that Nintendo broadcast. So I feel it's I am at a safe distance to be able to talk about this. So okay. In part one, you spend the whole time in the school and you're engaging with all the students from all the houses. No matter which house you pick, you get to talk to all of them. So you, so you know me, like I kind of get attached to a lot of these 
students as we're sort of interacting toward the school. I may not experience you know, battling with them, but at least they're there and I get to say hi. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm the cool professor that goes around and says like, hey, how's uh. it going? You know, <laughs> and then part one ends and I should have saw this coming because Fire Emblem is a war game. Eventually war mm-hmm. breaks out and you are at a school that houses all these people from three different continents or from the same continent, but three different countries that maybe or maybe not got along at some point. And in part two, there's a time skip and you know, I'm not going to talk about the story details, but in part two, your house and whoever you recruited in part one, which I only recruited one other student, uh, in part two, you basically end up fighting everybody else. Mm. So for so 40- like you recognize people on the battlefield and stuff as, yeah. as kids from the school. That's. It's a little... I can I can see how that would throw, like, you specifically off a lot. Because, yeah, you're not that kind of person. And, and, these, and here's the thing. Like, I think what the developers set out to do with these distinct houses is to make all these characters their own personalities. They may not all be likable, and you may be able to kind of brush some aside and be like, I really don't like this guy, I really like this person. But at the end of the day you are encouraged to interact with all these students. But I think what I did in my sort of what I normally do in Fire Emblem games is that you put your head down and you just play and you get to the next battle and you move on and you recruit who you recruit based on more story than just building relationships with these characters. So in part one, I only built a relationship with one character and it turns out that person joined my team because he was of the opposite sex. So he just kind of like joins my team and I was like, oh, I thought like, oh, I wonder, maybe I have, must have had a high skill for that. It's like, no, nah, it's just, there are two characters in the game, whether you play as male or female, and that character will join your side if they are of the opposite gender. Um, and it's just, I guess, a way to add an extra person to your to your roster. So in part two, I'm like... So you basically got the default character and nobody else wanted to join your team? Nobody else, okay, <laughs> nobody else wanted to join my team. and And not for... And, and probably due to the fact that I was not really trying, you know, mm. I'd go up to them and I'd ask them, hey, you want to join my, te- my team, my house? And he's like, oh, no, I'm good. And then it kind of flashes a screen saying, hey, this person is really interested in like strength and magic. Uh, actually, that's a bad example. Strength and lances or something. So I'd go in and I'd build my lance and I'd look at my strength ability. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty high. And then I'd go ask them again. No, no, no. We, I'm still not interested. It, it turns out in order to make that more achievable, you actually have to build a relationship with that character by interacting with them, inviting them on missions, uh, having tea with them, making dinner with it. There's a lot that you can do mm-hmm. in the metagame. <laughs> so you uh, have to actually like make friends. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to wine and dine them, basically, in order for them to yeah. not care so much that maybe you suck with a lance. You know? I see. So, it's like real life, like high school. It, obviously. Yeah. Uh, is it very detrimental to you now that you only have one person on your team uh no like my my ability to battle is fine like i i've got lots of characters and there are characters that will join your team i I found it was very easy to recruit the other professors uh Mm. i've recruited some of the of the knights of the staff that are sort of hanging around and that will okay so it's not like your team that you recruit in part one is who you play with through the entire game you can keep recruiting through the game uh no as you're far not like as, shut out no as far as i can tell like 
part one, that's where you recruit your characters. And then mm. maybe, maybe I've only gone a couple chapters into part two. And there was one person on the battlefield who I did engage with and, and kill. And they, I had the option to allow them to surrender. And again, I think it was a freebie. I think that person, if you didn't mm. recruit them, they just, they did come over to your side. Because it seemed like it was, I don't remember putting any extra effort into that character that joined my side. And it seemed for story reasons that she kind of jumped ship and came over to my side. Uh, but some people were saying that if you had built up enough strength and enough support, they would join. Like you would you would offer them the ability to surrender instead of just mm. killing them. Um, but it is jarring. And, and you're right. To me, it's, it's super jarring because like you spend 40 hours with these characters. Essentially, every free moment of my, you know, gaming time that I have has gone into Fire Emblem Three Houses for the last two weeks. And then mm. all of a sudden in part two... I, uh, I'm killing all these, these, all my past students. All your students? And I'm just sitting there and it's like, this is not right. (laughs) And it was very hard for me to push through and kind of like convince myself to keep playing. And I'm like, a lot of people really like this game and really like the story. And I'm wondering maybe I, I either played part one wrong or I'm approaching part two from the wrong angle. Like maybe, mm. you know, which is kind of funny that like there's a chance you could have played part one wrong and spent 40 hours playing it wrong. Like, do you have a save <laughs> file you can go back to that's like, OK, now I know part two is coming. I need to go recruit a whole bunch of students or spend more time whining and dining them. <laughs> I mean, I have. So this is this brings you to the other part is that Fire Emblem Three Houses has four paths that you can take to the conclusion of the game, uh, both uh, being wildly different and obviously the three paths that you can get are based on the house you choose so the golden deer the blue lions or the black eagles uh, there is a fourth path that is involved with the black eagles based on a choice you make and so of those four paths like i i made a split file so i split my save file because i, I got to the point where i would choose because i'm playing as the black eagles so I, I yes, <laughs> I know nothing about them at all. It just that one sounds like the most badass. So okay. if there's a war coming, you totally want to be the Black Eagles. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, yeah, they've got some they've got some good stuff going for them. But I, I'm also a little concerned that they're coming off as a little like a little like conquery. Like we're gonna like everyone's wrong uh, and yeah, we're right. It's a war. I know. What else would you do? Can See, you tell that I also side with Sylvanas? <laughs> okay yes i'm talking to the right person this is a good uh, this is a good you're a good person to bounce these ideas off because here's my feelings on this game is that i feel like i'm not leaning in on the whole war aspect and i remember past fire emblem games i had this problem with um fates where there was very clearly um three different paths but all those paths turned people who you were allied with in the other path into bad guys and Mm -hmm. vice versa so in this game, it's doing the same thing. We're in part two. I'm I'm suddenly playing against people I thought were on my team, but have been turned, not necessarily bad, but to the opposite, to my opposite side. Right. And I remember my favorite Fire Emblem games. It's were, war, Ryan. You can't be friends with everyone. Okay. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> but I want to be friends. With yeah. You can't, though. I want to be, though. That's my problem. <laughs> and I guess I'm moving past it because I'm just, I'm, I want to play the game. The story is really interesting, what they're building to. And I understand, you know, the Black Eagles character motiva- motivations in terms of what we're doing. Um, I don't know yet if, like, maybe, you know, Edelgard, is the, who is the main, uh, the emperor, or the, I guess the empress, or 
yeah anyways she is the emperor uh and she's she's got this idea in her head and we've all been convinced that they are the bad guys for very specific reasons and i i think i get that i think i understand where she's coming from uh but for me some of my favorite fire emblem games were very clear like you were the good guys they were the bad guys you were defending your land your honor whatever trying to save Mm -hmm. the world and this you are trying to sort of save the continent of Fodlan, but honestly, you could probably look at all sides and consider them to be right in a certain aspect, depending on how it's spun or and or how things shake out. I haven't finished it yet. So by the end mm-hmm. of it, I might come back here and be like, no, nah, it all made sense. Definitely on uh, on the side of literally what they're called, the Black Eagle Strike Force. So. Oh my god, you sound so badass. I know. <laughs> Why would you ever choose a different team? <laughs> I I don't know for a fact if all the other ones are just like Blue Lion Strike Force and that's the option, but like when Black Eagle Strike Force is way better than Blue Lion Strike Force. What about Golden so Deer lame. Strike Force? Yeah, oh god, that is the lamest. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, they even uh, mixed up the colors. Why wouldn't you make a Golden Lion? I don't and know. And then blue, I don't know. Uh, blue seal. I don't dolphin. Know. Yeah, something that blue seal. Sure. Both of those are not great. Options. I don't know why deer deers are a thing. Deers are not scary. Majestic. Yeah, uh, I guess maybe. I don't know. Like, not very intimidating. What when you? What about when you yell Patronus and then one comes out? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I promised I wouldn't do any Harry Potter references. I apologize. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying the game, but as I entered part two, it felt a little jarring and, and very much took some time to refocus because it is, mm-hmm. you're spending 40 hours and then suddenly you're in this whole new part and it's very much just like, it seems to be a trend this year, like the five years later thing. I don't mm. know if it was all by accident or everyone just suddenly had this idea five years ago to say five years later and they just, yeah. they all kind of happened. They were just the like, time. you know what? It's really boring to tell all the in-between. Let's yeah. just jump and not explain any of it and just jump to where it gets good. And you know what? I'm on board with that kind of storytelling because sometimes games would definitely drag on way too long. And it's like, mm. or the even worse, they would do like part one, like you're talking about, would be like Fire Emblem Three Houses. And then part two would be Fire Emblem Three Houses 2. And then like, you know, so they would do sequels to games to tell the interesting part. I'm totally cool with time jumps if it keeps everything in the same game. Oh, and there's a lot of game in here. Like, yeah, there's a lot you can do. And but like I said, you can also speed right through it if you want. Uh, And and what they've done to the battle systems, like where you're actually you know, fighting the battles, you they've moved all the story sort of out of the battle. So in previous Fire Emblem games, you'd always launch the chapter, there'd be like 20 minutes of back and forth, and then the battle would start. Now all of the story is told sort of quickly right before the battle, but most of it happens in between the battles in, in the school sections. So then when you get to the battle, when you queue up that battle, you are into the battle and you're fighting. And I think that's a really smart move in the sense that you've already done all the talking let's go in and do this do the fighting yeah there's like very distinct boundaries between your two different game types yeah and my like it's a fire emblem game so you know there's magic and there's arrows and there's lances and swords and all the classes you expect from riders to uh priests to sort of um to thieves all that fun stuff but the cool part that they've added in this one that i'll i'll end this on is that they've added um they used to have, they always had bosses in Fire Emblem games, but it was just, it was bigger damage sponges with named characters. 
So it'd be like everyone else is archer number one and footman number two, but then there's Will at the castle and he's got like 20 more HP and he's got a, like a more powerful weapon. In this, they still have those characters, that, but they've also added these beast units and they're essentially units that take up four tiles. And it's not just that they're bigger, they also have like guardian shields. So you have to like kind of puncture their shields and the more damage they take, the more abilities they unlock so they get stronger as they take more damage okay so you actually have to strategically kind of swarm them and you can do it from different tactics in that you can kind of surround them and try to take out all their shields which stuns them for a turn that allow then that allows them to you interrupt their attack and then you basically get you know get another go at it uh or you can kind of like focus in uh puncture one part of the shield and just try to take down their multiple health bars um, but every health bar they lose, they gain an additional power um, that can pr be pretty devastating depending on who they target, right? So those are a lot of fun. And I find when they drop like four or five on a map, it can get really interesting because you're suddenly dealing with some very powerful units that can can hit from afar and take out some of your like weaker uh, mm -hmm. weaker heroes. But yeah, it's... It's a lot of fun, and honestly, they've added so much usability to it. Like, I think anybody who hasn't played a Fire Emblem game, this game really offers a lot. Uh, there's aggro lines now, so for people who don't want to sit there and calculate, like, oh, this person's probably you know, going to go after that person, the game actually tells you, oh, if you move your healer here he's going to be targeted by three people and that's you know right. noted by like these three blue line or red lines coming over to your character and that's super helpful um and then if you do put a hero in the line of fire you can actually preview the damage by mousing over the unit that's that's targeting them that's going to target them so you can kind of telegraph whether that character is going to survive even after you commit the move and then if you know he's going to die or know he's going to have a strong chance of dying there's also like the rewind ability and you right. have limited amount of times you can use that, but that allows you to basically undo mistakes that would have had you have to reset the map because all your characters, if you're playing on a specific mode, has permadeath. Mm. And unless you're not a fan of that character, like in Until Dawn, you probably <laughs> well, want to keep alive. I didn't kill her like on purpose on purpose. It was uh -huh. more like she died and I didn't go back in my save to save her. So let's kind of say, like, oh, okay, that's happening. So let's say your character had like a built-in time machine. You would have probably gone back and saved her is what you're saying. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. In Fire Emblem Three Houses, you have the ability to go back in time and you can go back. I've seen it. It doesn't seem to be very limiting, but you can go back all the way to the start of the game if you feel like maybe you positioned your heroes wrong and you just went down a path uh, that you didn't like. You can kind of go up back to the start and, re and kind of restart there. Or you can go as far back as like, oh, I, I misplaced this character and he got swarmed, you know. Um, it's it's very user-friendly. And even then, you can turn off the permadeath if you really want. And I highly encourage it to people who are playing for the first time. There's no reason mm -hmm. to kind of fret about it. <laughs> to punish yourselves, yeah. No, well, have fun. Speaking of uh, rewinding to different portions of the game when you make strategic mistakes, I have been playing a new game came out last week called Kindergarten 2. So... This is a follow-up to a 2017 title called Kindergarten. And I didn't play the first one, mm -hmm. but um, a YouTuber and Twitch streamer that I follow started playing Kindergarten 2. And I kind of looked at it at first and I was like, 
this looks really dumb. It looks like a, an 8-bit, which normally not a, a style that I particularly like. But it looked kind of like an 8-bit like grade school simulator. Because hmm. you like go around the yard at, when school starts and you talk to all the different kids and teachers and stuff. And I was like, this looks really dumb. I don't <laughs> understand what's going on. So I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm going to give this a try because as soon as he started playing, everyone was like, oh my God, I loved kindergarten. Kindergarten was so good. And I was like, what the heck is going on here? So I boot up the game and I start playing. And within, oh, I don't know, my first like out, like the outside recess part and then my first classroom. And then the janitor stabbed me in the face. <laughs> in like, kindergarten. What? Exactly. And so it turns out this game is, first of all, has so much like dark humor in it. It's absolutely hilarious. It's hmm. like you go to this school and it's full of these totally dysfunctional adults and kids. So like the janitor who stabbed me in the face, he... um he like doesn't remember his name and thinks he's in a war with the other janitor and he's like trying to kill him but the other janitor has no idea and then like the the your homeroom teacher is like a, a drunk or a, a drug addict i'm not really 100 percent sure and the whole idea is there's like nine different stories that you have to navigate through and it kind of reminds me of um beholder 2 Mm -hmm. in that like you you go in and you do things and in beholder it's like uh work days over and over and over again this is just like groundhog day where it kind of just resets and you go back to the start of tuesday again and there's like a little counter at the bottom that says welcome to tuesday number seven <laughs> so you can see how many how many times it takes you to go through and uh actually figure out all the because it's like one big puzzle mm. so you get like a certain amount of of moves in each section of the day so you've got your um your start of the day where you're outside and waiting to go into class then you've got like your first class then you've got recess and then lunch and then your second class and so you have to plan during each one of those things Every time you have like, I think five apples and every time you use up an apple, some of the little apples will have like characters faces in them. And if a character's face is in them, it means that once you get to like apple number three of recess, that character is going to either enter or leave the room. So it means like they're no longer going to be available to you. Okay. So you have to kind of like navigate all these different conversations and solve these different puzzles based on who's in the room, what objects you have. And every time you like succeed in a story, it's kind of like a roguelike because when you succeed, then you get one piece of like, um, I think the first one I did the janitor story, I got uh, the janitor's tool belt was the piece that I got to actually keep with me and rolled over to my next Tuesday iteration. And then that let me go talk to the janitor outside the start of the school and say, Oh no, there's a kid trapped underneath the the grate. Like here, use your tool belt to go save him. And he like takes the grate off and then the kid gets out and then, oh, I have a new kid available and he's got his own story and stuff like that. So hmm. it's like full of dark humor, full of like 
conversations you have to navigate and people you have to talk to and puzzles you have to figure out in order to get things done and progress the story. And like the more that you do, it's like they, they give you hints like right from the very start about, you know, what might be going on in the school. But uh, the more you do, the more you unlock and the more that you see. And it's it's just it's a really fun, quirky kind of game that it does remind me a lot of Beholder 2. Just because it's like you have to talk to the right person at the right time to get the right object to move the story forward. And if you mess up, you can like restart. So if you die, you can choose to restart the entire day or you can choose to restart the chapter where you where you got killed. Um, or at any point, if you realize you've messed up, you can just say, okay, pull up the, the menu, click the restart button, and it gives you like all the chapters of that day that you've currently completed and lets you like go back to any one of those and kind of pick up from there. So you do have some flexibility, but the one thing that I've done a couple of times that is a bit of a pain in the ass is like if you actually make it through the school day and survive then you have to go and like restart the whole day again. So there's like a an end, like cinematic, we'll call it, of like, yay, you survived the school day. And once you survive a school day, then you can't like go back again. Oh, you know, okay. like you can't do the restart thing. So then you have to start like all the way back from the beginning and like redo a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah. Right. So this is one of those times where someone's going to say this is like a roguelike? Or yeah, rogue it is. It is kind of, yeah, it is. It is kind of a roguelike, roguelite, you know. Yeah. Uh, In the sense that you, you progress and when you die, you, you, you carry forward your progression in terms of the stories you've unlocked. Correct? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you, you learn like who to talk to and what orders of things yeah. and what the different people are going to do when they enter or exit the room and how that might impact what you need to do and the order you need to do stuff in. So for instance, at one point I had to like uh, beat a kid to the bathroom to use the stall that he normally uses in order to like throw his schedule off. But I also had to go upstairs to the vending machine and get an item. So the first time I did it, I was like walking by the stairs and bribed the hall monitor and went upstairs to the vending machine. By the time I got back downstairs again, the kid had already gone to the bathroom. So like I failed. So I had to do the bathroom first and then I had to do the vending machine. But like you have two apples and you're not 100% sure where you have to spend your apples and your apples like advance the timeline basically. So I wasn't aware that going to the vending machine would cost me an apple, and then it did, and I was like, oh, no, he's going to beat me to the bathroom, yeah. stupid kid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one of the worst parts about kindergarten was not getting your favorite potty. I mean, like, really, right? it just messed exactly. your whole day up. It did, it did. And it's, like, it's funny because, like, I say things like that, and then it makes it sound like super stupid childish grade school simulator. Well, But then, like... So I got sent to study hall one time, and this is kind of a little bit of a spoiler, So, but it also tells you kind of the tone of the game. So I went to, like, um, study hall or, or whatever it's called. Basically, I got detention. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you walk into detention, and the teacher's like, okay, like, you guys are the bad kids. Like, no moving, no talking during study hall. Like, and then so he says, understand. And you're like, yes, sir. And he shoots you in the head. He's like, I said no talking. Bang. <laughs> like, what? Oh my God. 
<laughs> Are these people actually oh. in kindergarten? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, you died. There's no talking in study hall. <laughs> so was there an option to say no? Huh? Yeah, there's an or, option to just say nothing, nothing or stay yeah. quiet. Yes. And he's like, and so I did that the first time because I'm like, well, he said no talking. So I'm just going to say, yeah, stay quiet. And he's like, oh, clever group. <laughs> I was like, oh, I bet there's a bad. Oh, yep. Yep. Something bad happened because then I moved and he shot me. <laughs> so is everybody trying to kill you in this or just just the janitor Basically, and your one school yes. teacher? OK, there are many, many, many ways to die. If you get sent to the principal's office, you die. So is there Usually a reason to in... kill you? Like, is there, why are they trying to kill you? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you don't know? Okay, it's that's just, part it's of just its a, humor. It's just a bit, yeah, it's just part of the humor that everything is just to the extreme. Well, uh, <laughs> I was recording the TGI Patreon mini this week, uh, and I, I, I didn't, you texted me, Kindergarten 2 was what you were mm-hmm. playing, and I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And then I forgot to look it up. By the way, hmm? if you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in and you can see all of Ryan's Patreon minis that he throws up there to give you guys an idea of what we've been playing each week. Continue, Ryan. And while we're organically plugging it, I feel like this one was really good. It was a little bit longer, but it was more like a personal diary. So anyways, what I was doing was I was discussing the games we were playing and then I remembered, oh, I didn't look up what Kindergarten 2 was. So I looked it up live on the show. And I imagine a lot of people who don't, like me, don't know what this game is are doing that or we're doing it as as jocelyn was describing this crazy game and i booted up and it's like oh it looks kind of like a bit like a like a, one of those old flash games um yeah. from, the, from the sense of style <laughs> that it's presenting and then you read the description and it's fairly nonsensical it's just like oh you're in kindergarten and there's danger as a foot okay whatever then you start going <laughs> through the screenshots and you start seeing like the janitor and sort of killing and weird shit and you're just like what is this <laughs> like i look forward to hearing what jocelyn has to say about this because i have no idea what i'm looking at here yeah and it's fun because you get that kind of uh like humorous type storytelling that's just like way super over the top like mm. this stuff would never happen but that makes it hilarious and then you combine that with a really cool dialogue tree type puzzle game mm-hmm. and i mean it's not extraordinarily hard like basically you're told like for instance you need to get a flower for this girl and so it's like once you actually get the flower then it's very very easy it's not like you have to like oh do you want to give the girl the flower or the i don't know coke can or the fork it's like no all you have is the flower you have one option so it's Mm. not complicated in that way but there's usually quite a lot of steps between the person that tells you, like, I need you to give the girl the flower. And then you probably have to do like five or 10 different things while managing your time and making sure you have access to all the right people before you'll actually be able to get the flower and then also be in the same place as the girl you're supposed to give it to. Because that's the other piece is that not all the kids and not all the teachers are in the same class through the entire day. So you also have to keep track of like, the other kids in the school, what classes they're in, where you have to get, how you have to avoid the hall monitors and the other teachers. And like, there, so there's a lot of like movement around the school that's blocked at different times of the day. Mm-hmm. And so like, you might have to like get the flower in the morning, but by the time you give it to the girl, it's the afternoon and there's been like 10 different steps and people you had to talk to and things you had to avoid in order to end up in the same place at the same time and actually be able to complete that like transaction and solve the puzzle. So it's complicated in a way that I really, really enjoy. Because there have been times where I'm like, okay, 
I know how this is like, I know what I have to do. This is going to be easy. I just have to go talk to this girl and do this thing. And then you go talk to that girl and then you die. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) It's like, oh, no, she's the one, you know, like the she's the narc that tells the principal everything. So now you've been sent to the principal's office and you're dead. (laughs) So there's a lot of trial and error in this game. And there's a lot of trial and error because it often seems very obvious. And it's a lot of the times the solutions are not obvious. (laughs) So are you scribbling? like a like a mad person or is that tracked in the game like you can look oh i remember when i talked to lucy on the third apple like i got killed oh yeah no i well i mean there's some things that you can kind of remember like you Mm -hmm. know you remember ways to navigate the very early game and how to get like up onto the second floor before the school day starts stuff like that then there's other like little hints and stuff like i found a sign that said like do this that and the other like go up left right down and I, I wrote that on a post-it note. I'm showing chat room Ooh. right now. So, like, there I am making some scribbly notes because sometimes cool. you come across stuff that you don't know how to use yet. But at some point, there's probably going to be a code I have to enter or something. Because, like, for instance, there was, like, a whole bunch of, like, color-coded areas in one room that ended up being something I had to use out at recess. And it's like, well, if I hadn't written down... the code for the colors which i'm also showing was on a post-it uh then you know like i wouldn't have i wouldn't have known exactly what to do out at recess and it's actually funny because one of the kids is like doing a nursery rhyme and being like telling you basically you have to enter the code and then at the end like he's almost done finishing it and then he's like and you have to enter the code and then your character goes or i die i get it okay (laughs) Like, so it's even like self-referential like it, it understands what it's doing too as well like your character in the game does it's very kind of like uh, almost Deadpoolish mm. <laughs> in that it seems like your character understands that he's going through the same freaking school day over and over and over again That's and dying neat. every time yeah so it is it's a very cool little game and uh it's uh not too too expensive it's like an indie title so i feel like it's like 15 or 20 bucks so and i'm having a lot of fun in it like i said it's giving me like beholder 2 vibes and uh i'm enjoying it yeah it sounds like a really you know a nice small quirky experience that has a good sense of humor kind of dark sense of humor i guess yes very dark sense of humor yeah (laughs) there's yeah you are there's also times where like you're part of like the murder squad Oh. <laughs> yeah it's it's very i mean if you always like to be the good guy ryan you may not want to play in kindergarten <laughs> things get real <laughs> yeah yeah for sure well you know it's one of those things where it just uh sometimes schools go bad i don't know like that it's <laughs> and i don't remember my kindergarten school having two floors that's pretty uh that's pretty yeah. up uptown type stuff that's good oh yeah Yeah. it's super fancy (laughs) well murder janitors so i guess a little calm man you gotta kind of balance it so (laughs) exactly uh so what else have you been playing this week ryan yeah so i uh started i started playing rebel galaxy outlaw a couple weeks ago i've had a review code for a couple weeks it's and uh it came out this week uh everybody just calm down it is an epic game store exclusive i know We'll get through this together. Uh, it's a $30 title, so you can go check that out. But like Galaxy, uh, so for those fans that remember Rebel Galaxy, this is taking that sort of game and just ratcheting everything up and making it such such a more polished sort of product and giving more sort of 
space vibes and, and, and all this fun stuff. So the original Re- Rebel Galaxy, as well as Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, has you sort of in a ship, and you're trying to collect funds to upgrade your ship parts and you're by doing missions and collecting things and doing trading as well. That was a big part of the first game where you're kind of, you, there's an economy across the star system. So you're buying like iron ore low over here, then you're <laughs> selling it across the, the galaxy for a higher price, right? So I'm going to kindergarten and yeah. you're running a store in the rebel galaxy. I, I am. <laughs> We're yeah. playing so many exciting games this week, you guys. Oh yeah. I forgot about the fact how you're running a school too over in three houses. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pretty weird week here at the gamers Inn, but yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be strong. We'll get through this together. But I think, uh, you know, rebel galaxy outlaw is, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And I, it reminds me of what I really liked about the first one is that it's very relaxed you can kind of go after the story missions if you want. Once you get through the controls, because I don't know, I remember the first game being a lot more sort of understanding and simple, uh, whereas you just kind of pointed your ship in a direction, you held the A button, and then you moved in that direction. Uh, and it was very simple. In this one, it feels like there's more of a 3D space, where in the first one it felt like you were on you know, just the X and Y plane. Like a single plane, yeah. Yeah, and uh, in this one, you have complete 360 control of your ship, and that includes when you're dogfighting with other ships. So in the first one... How does that actually feel? Because sometimes, like, space dogfights, like, they can be really good or they can be awful. Yeah, <laughs> There so, doesn't seem to be any in-between. Well, I think this one has found the in-between, and I think oh, okay. it's... So here's the thing. Think Zelda with Z targeting, but in this you have you have targeting for sort of whatever you want to pursue. So it's called auto pursuit. And if you're in combat, um, you target these bad guys and you hold the L button and that okay. that sort of auto pursuits the target. It doesn't lock on. It allows you to basically it has your ship sort of follow that ship. Okay, so you still have to, like, if you're actually going to, like, dogfight and be mm-hmm. in combat, then you still have to aim and stuff. It's not, but your your ship kind of is on rails, I guess? Yeah, a little bit. You're following the other ship, and, and so essentially when you're following, there is a little target, depending on what targeting system you have installed on your ship. I, have a, I upgraded the targeting system where I can kind of see where I should be aiming my reticle in order to hit the ship that's ahead of me. So there is a bit of, like minute aiming while you're auto pursuing and then there's also the fact that you can like hold the boost button to catch up or like hit the brake because they're sort of kind of maneuvering slowly or weirdly. okay so it's like you're also controlling the speed of your ship it's not just like auto follow yeah yeah i thought it was supposed to keep you from ramming into the ship but i keep doing it so i'm pretty sure it's it, yeah. how do you even fail when you're auto following i you know what Life finds a way. Uh, and so, yeah, the auto pursuit really allows you, because when I first started playing, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, this is this is complex. Like, <laughs> I have to fly and aim and shoot. And, it's, yeah. it's first person. There are lights everywhere. There's like, I thought I was going to be playing one of those games. Um, Matt has the setup, right, with all the buttons and the ships mm-hmm. and the ar scanner and he's got like he could probably like has a two-way radio with the game developers like coming in for a docking uh it feels like at first glance it feels like that game where it's like oh my god i need like 16 buttons and a joystick in front of me to play this game um 
<laughs> 16 was probably too low in this case. I need 116 <laughs> buttons. Um, but really, once you get into it, it does uh, kind of ease you into sort of the gameplay. I found that the tutorial in-game was a little lacking, uh, but there are, is a great YouTube video out there. I think Jim, uh, who, you know, our mutual friend Jim, he's playing this game, and he linked the YouTube video in Discord. And it's basically the developers running through the first 45 minutes of the game and kind of teaching you the ropes. So if you do pick up this game, I do highly recommend checking out that video because it's invaluable. It's it's really great information. And it's funny, that's what, the second week in a row we've talked about games that are pretty decent but have no tutorial? <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things where I think a good tutorial is tough. And sometimes you run into games that offer a tutorial, which is basically the first six hours and people get Yeah, and it's frustrated. way too handholdy. yeah. And then other times it's like, I don't know, hit the A button, you'll be fine. It, it, you know, I don't, um, I wish more games took the time to really nail that intro. But even looking at Fire Emblem Three Houses, like there isn't much of a tutorial. It's more like a slowly ramping up and they're continuously introducing new things into the game until they've pretty much maxed out. But in Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, like sometimes it will remind you, oh, if you hold the L button, you'll auto pursuit. If you hold the A button, you'll, you know, um, uh, autopilot. Speed up. Yeah. yeah. And but there is a lot of stuff that you kind of have to look into yourself, like either on the control mapping or uh, looking up online, which, you know, is fine. Again, whatever. Just make sure you know those resources are out there before you try to, you know, dive in and think you're going to you're going to be mastering the stars anytime soon but <laughs> i'm i'm slowly making my way through the game but what i've really been enjoying is is the fact that you know the missions are are, are decent you play as the grandmother for the first one so this is a prequel so you're playing the main character which i can't remember her name i'm terrible with names uh <laughs> but anyways you're playing the main character and you're trying to find the killer of your husband um okay and you're trying to track him down and you do that by starting off contacting friends and you visit bars and you ask for, you know, what's going on. And, and that's sort of a, a commodity in the game is information. So when you go to a new station, you go to the bar, you say, hey, you know, what's what's new? And they'll kind of like drop hints and stuff. Sometimes it's hints on where like special cargo may be. Other times it's like, oh, I heard the station over there is selling like gold at bottom rock bottom prices. Like if you go buy it there, you might be able to sell it at a high price elsewhere. So there's a lot of cool stuff there, and you kind of have the freedom to pursue whatever you want. If you want to find more combat missions, you accept more combat missions. If you want to just make money quick, you can do deliveries and kind of just deal with what comes at you as you're making your way across the systems. Um, and really what gates you in the main missions, the story missions, is the difficulty. So I think right now I have a main mission that says, like, this is of a high difficulty because I probably need to upgrade my shields, my weapons you know, my, uh, my power, uh, my power abilities in the, in the ship. So that's sort of the rinse repeat of the game as you're collecting credits to upgrade your ship, to be able to complete missions and then find, you know, I would assume the conclusion being finding the killer that, you know, took out your husband and continue Or maybe finding your husband. Dun, dun, dun. Who is the killer? Dun, uh, no, what? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> 
It's space. Maybe he Anything can happen. Death. Yeah, <laughs> it's space. I don't know. I've never been. I hear it's lovely this time of year. Oh um, my God. No. So yeah, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw is a lot of fun. And really, if you enjoyed the first one, don't be alarmed by like the 360 nature. It can be a little disorienting, but I find if the auto pursuit wasn't there, I totally wouldn't be able to play this game. <laughs> but the auto pursuit really makes it and you can turn it off like they even say in yeah. the tutorial like if you've got they recommend playing with the controller right off the bat just to get used to the systems they highly recommend even if you have the gear to play with the controller first get used to it and then slowly switch over but it is totally playable with your whole setup based on what i've heard in the tutorial video uh and i believe it because there's just it's honestly it looks really cool it wouldn't surprise me if they they really like the, the first game did really well and i would be surprised if this one doesn't also do really well and see some really cool updates down the road because i think the developers are are really neat and i, I think they're ex-blizzard so it would explain mm. why this game has a very like starcraft vibe but ratcheted up like a lot of like bluesy rock country type stuff the soundtrack the soundtrack is honestly really cool it's really amazing so that's awesome. Yeah. I know I've seen a lot of people talking about this and it seems to be getting a lot of quite positive reviews. So I wouldn't be surprised if it gets a lot more support in the future. But mm -hmm. uh, that's going to bring us to our topic of the week this week. This week, we just got a little teeny tiny bit of news for you. The Nintendo Switch Super Nintendo controller has actually been spotted. So mm -hmm. this was like a, a tech or, or a tech... Um, it's a FCC thing, right? the, or no, is it a some sort of like health and safety filing, right? That's required right. Okay, that's what I was going to say. It's like a, it's like a technical drawing. It's not like a an accidental post on Amazon or something. No, okay, yeah, it's an FCC filing which is required okay. for them to sell the unit in in the states. And so sometimes uh, companies will so for example with the Switch Lite, um, they will they will announce it before it's been sort of run through the paces because honestly this stuff gets leaked you know yeah. through these filings because they're public and um in this case they haven't announced a super nes controller for the switch and this would be i'm assuming very similar to the nes controller that you could uh purchase as an online subscriber that would be used for the nintendo or the nes sort of app um right and honestly did you ever end up getting one of those no, you know, the thing is, I'm going to be honest with everyone, the NES controller is uh, not fun to hold. Yep. It's a square and with edges of hard, you know, like corners that just like after a while, you've just got these like your your hands are sore, man. Like it's not. No, the, I'm totally on board. No, and I know. The yeah. That I, the other thing that I find with this stuff, because um, they are least the Nintendo controller alongside all of the nes games on the like nintendo online library right mm -hmm. and even if they end up releasing a whole bunch of um super nintendo titles i'm not sure like if that's what this controller means is that we're going to get a whole bunch of uh super nintendo titles and on the nintendo online library i don't know if i'm going to get into them just because i feel like I've bought them three or four times at this point. I've played them on multiple Nintendo systems. Mm -hmm. I've got both the Nintendo Mini and the Super Nintendo Mini. So I'm kind of like, 
how many times are they actually going to get my money for Super Nintendo games? Probably a lot, but I feel like if they if they take this one step further and they go Nintendo 64, that's where it kind of starts to get interesting for me because there's a lot of really, really good nostalgia there for me on 64. And it's a, a well that they haven't really gone to yet. Right. Like, I feel like Nintendo and Super Nintendo, they've gone to those wells a lot of times, but maybe because of the controller design on the Nintendo 64, I don't know, but they seem hesitant to to bring that stuff out of retirement. So that's where it starts to get interesting for me is if this is finally going to be a push from the Super Nintendo into the 64. Yeah, I... I look at the Super NES controller and I and I really think like okay I could get behind playing you know my 8-bit and 16-bit games with this controller, but knowing Nintendo sometimes they kind of lock down their stuff like the NES controller was only compatible with that app as far yeah. as I understand like it didn't work on other games like that would maybe benefit from a D-pad that you remember from your childhood and I think with the Super NES NES controller I'm more likely to purchase it in the fact that. Uh, it, it's more comfortable and and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you are completely right. Like we've already purchased the highlights of the NES and Super NES, you know, catalog with those minis. And unless for some reason they really expand the catalog and say like literally this is everything you ever could have gotten on the sure. Super NES, because obviously the the minis are curated, right? So yeah. there's a specific set of games that are available on them so if they opened up like the entire super nintendo library then maybe that would be something i would be more interested in because there's some like little gems like i know i've talked about it before but like the the pugsley game the adams family game that i used to Mm. freaking love it was so good and uh like i've never seen that anywhere yeah the tough part is so with the nes app they they have added a lot of games like much more than is available on the mini and some even being nintendo published titles that didn't make the curated cut but then you so you look at the super nes and i think there's more there that could be done than is on the super nes mini but you talk about like licensed games and i think that's where nintendo just like does not even want to go there like yeah trying to dig up who owns the adams family now especially the version <laughs> that was probably based on the cartoon or the movie at the time yeah um, it was i think it was yeah the cartoon at the time and it was like the it was uh pugsley scavenger hunt i think uh, oh god it was such a good game <laughs> that's a that's a licensing nightmare in my mind yeah um but i think uh i yeah to me this this is an article more about hey they're running out of nes games Surprise, surprise, they're probably going to add Super NES starting, you know, in in the fall. And I, I 100% agree with you. Like, N64 is what I want. Um, now, the beauty is, like, maybe we don't buy the controller. That's where we're definitely, like, technically buying these again. But if yeah. you have Nintendo Online, like, you have access to these games at no additional charges. Mm-hmm. But if they add N64 and just say, hey, you can use the Pro Controller and we'll just map it, like, I think that would work. Um, I don't think you actually need a, like they did it with the Wii and the Wii U. Like you just use the classic controller, which is essentially just the pro controller. Right. So, um, I think GameCube is where it gets tough because they had the, the squishy shoulder pads, like sort of the context sensitive and like an additional button. I don't Mm. think any of the current switch controllers or even the Wii or Wii U controllers had that. That's the re that's the reason a lot of people say like they've held off on going, back to the GameCube well, but honestly, 
I would kill for the GameCube to be uh to be yeah, GameCube GameCube the catalog would be awesome. I feel like the other thing about GameCube is is GameCube was kind of out at this really weird time where it's mm-hmm. like obviously the internet was a thing but it was like we were msn messengering and torrenting things and right, like it wasn't time. it it wasn't like there was no like twitch stuff there was no you know like uh, the communities ne- weren't necessarily there and i feel like with at least my group of friends it was like i had a gamecube but mm-hmm. everybody else had like xboxes and everyone kind of looked down on the gamecube but now if you like actually when you talk to people on the internet they're like oh no gamecube was great it's like ah oh, where were you in yeah. you know 2003 <laughs> i remember those days uh gamecube was i we loved it in my household yeah a lot of people were were Xbox or and it was PlayStation that was the real culprit. The people who yeah. were on the PlayStation Two, a lot of them were awesome folks, but there were some that were just like, ooh, cart your mini disc like my yeah. mine plays full disc like an adult. And I'm like, well, <laughs> But yeah, like I, I feel like there's a lot more uh appreciation maybe yes. now for, for GameCube and, and the library of GameCube games that exist and I would love to see a resurgence of some of those titles because there were a lot of really good things. Like, I mean, I even remember playing, and I, I know this wasn't a Nintendo exclusive, <laughs> but I played so much of that Tiger Woods golf game. Oh, yeah. I don't even like golf. I don't know why I played it. It was just some kind of addicting, and I don't really understand why. <laughs> but yeah, those I golf games so anymore, much. do they? Like, so they, I have no idea. It was just stopped. that one, that ti- the Tiger Woods golf game, and I played it on GameCube, and Maybe it was just that I really hated my university classes in second year. I don't know, but but you loved golf. man, yeah. <laughs> I I all of a sudden fell in love with golf. <laughs> there was a there was a again multi platform game, but we played it on the GameCube, and it was like right at launch. We had Luigi's Mansion, and there was a hockey game, and it was like NH NHL Blitz. It was not the EA ones. I think it was the Midway one, and we played the crap out of it. And I can't stand like. You know this, the EA, EA sports games. They're just I'm not. I can't get into them. But this sports game, we would play like four player hockey, and it was more arcadey style. It kind of reminded me of like the Gretzky N64 one. Uh, but man, I gotta look. The I, I think it's NFL Blitz. NHL must have been something else. But it was the Midway <laughs> arcade NHL sports games. They obviously don't make them anymore because Midway doesn't exist. But yeah, I miss I miss the arcadey style, and there just hasn't been. I would I would love them to to sort of look at their back catalog and stop going back to the the NES like you're right when they made those minis like okay guys we get it these are the 30 you want us to play until the end of time give us the N64 figure it out like do something mm-hmm. with those N64 games like it's been it's been too long. Oh my god, can you imagine if somehow whether it's through Nintendo online or what I don't even know but imagine there was a way that we could play GoldenEye together? And like stream it. That would just that would be glorious. Well, the I would funny love that. the funny thing is, is that now that you mention it, with the NES games, they added online multiplayer to some of those. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was work done to some of them to kind of make them more online, sort of savvy, friendly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, netcode for a first-person shooter. I don't think they ever got like that far with it. I think they were like they would essentially emulate the past the controller bit with mario and kind of like showcase what the other person was doing and i but i think they did do some two-player stuff they did they did some netcode stuff so maybe i think goldeneye and perfect dark like perfect dark is probably easier 
to get on an N64 classic than, than GoldenEye. Again, GoldenEye mm. would be a licensing nightmare, but Perfect Dark is basically like, hey, Microsoft, you're not doing anything with that. Let's, uh, <laughs> I'll trade you a banjo for... Or no, I guess they also have banjo. I'll, we'll put banjo in Smash and then also make Perfect Dark relevant again. How about if we revive two of your characters that you killed? Perfect. <laughs> oh, Microsoft. But yeah, I'm excited that we're getting super nintendo stuff on the mm. switch because again just the more stuff they do on the switch the better the platform is going to get and it's i'm very very pleasantly surprised with the switch overall it, they're doing some really forward thinking really great things and even though a lot of the things seem possibly like they're playing catch up i think that they're moving in a really good direction and i'm super super happy with my switch hardware so cool the more they keep doing the the happier i'll be so i think that's going to pretty much do it for us tonight thank you guys so much for listening if you'd like to join the conversation while we are offline head over to bit.ly slash tgi discord uh that's you could also visit us over on the web at gamersinpodcast.com you can follow us on twitter you can find me jocelyn at joss plays ryan is Dar murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in the video versions of all our episodes are streamed on thursdays at 8 30 p.m eastern on twitch.com TV slash the gamers in and are available after the fact on Twitch. Thanks for staying at the gamers in. Remember, see you next week. Remember, see you next week. What is wrong with me these Bye last everyone. few weeks? Man? <laughs> Can't do these outros. I don't even know. Here we go.